Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to episode two. And today we are talking about how to create boundaries at work. And this is something that we know lots and lots of people struggle with. Um, But I know Jackie has been dealing with quite a few clients lately who are also feeling the same. So do you want to share some experiences today, Jackie? Yeah, it's, I have to say, this is one of the most common things that does come up for clients. So because my kind of specialism is working with people who are either newly promoted or new to their role. So they might have changed business or been promoted internally. And this comes up a lot in that circumstance because often what happens is people feel a need to prove their worth and prove that the decision to give them that job was justified. And often the way that they do that is they work harder and they do what I term as they do more rather than do different. So they do all the stuff they were already doing, work all the hours they were already working, and then they layer more on top. And so it creates a cycle sometimes that just isn't sustainable where they're working too many hours, they struggle to switch off from work, they their friends and family relationships might get a bit fractured because people are kind of, you know, we never see you, you're never back on time. Um, you know, it might cause issues, particularly if you are um got kids around, you know, who's doing the lion's share of work at home and pickups and drop-offs and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a really important topic for people to understand how to do it. And it's something that often people recognize that they're maybe not doing a great job of already. Yeah. So what would you say that your your top tips are then for helping people to start really creating those boundaries? It it sounds really simple, but the start point is often to say what boundaries do you actually want to create? Because boundaries, the the term I use is that boundaries are the way that you train people how to treat you. So love that. that. (laughs) I I stole it from somewhere. I know not where I heard it once. I loved it. Um, And yeah, I've used it a lot since. And it's that element of taking that responsibility that you get to create in the broad, I mean, obviously you can't create boundaries where you go to work at 10 and you leave at two every day and you're paid for a full-time job. But what you can do is, you know, in, in leadership and management roles, you often have a good degree of autonomy over your working pattern, over how you organize your day, how you structure your time, how you interact with other people. And a lot of that, if you don't know what boundaries you want to create, then what happens is all that time often just gets filled with stuff and it's often other people's agenda and then you're kind of getting on the hamster wheel 
and then you get to the end of a working day and then it's kind of right now I need to start doing my actual work and you feel like then's your time um can you tell I've been there done that um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think the, the first thing is really understand what what boundaries would look like to you if you had a magic wand and you could just make do it easily and it would just all be lovely what would that look like yeah I think that's a really good place to start because that is the key thing as well what you just said about you get to the end of the day and you go right now I need to start doing my work and then you're taking work home with you and then you're doing all of that other stuff and then when you actually like assess what you did during the day a lot of those conversations could have waited could have been dealt with differently um you know there's there's a whole range of things that you know will come into play with that and it's just kind of I think if you understand what boundaries that you actually want to put in place and you might not know them all straight away but as you go through each week you know and you start thinking about it you can start documenting those and thinking about how you can start creating those boundaries and you know really putting them in place and I think you know something that you said uh, as well before we um we got on here was around the consistency of doing that because if you set a boundary you know one week but then next week you'll, you'll be a bit more flexible with it people never really know how to how to take it how to take you whether that is a boundary or whether that's something you'll flex on. So I suppose it's that it's like understanding what boundaries you want to have in place. And then also almost kind of making or or understanding which are the non-negotiable ones, which are the ones that I am not going to flex on because, you know, of a particular reason think that is um you know that that's something that you know as you go through your career it's so easy to kind of not have them boundaries in place and then as soon as you're doing you think why didn't I always do this why didn't I always work in this way so I think probably for you know a key message here is next time you think right it's like three or four o'clock in the afternoon and now I'm just starting my day (laughs) my day's work that's where you need to come back and and re-listen to this episode and think about the boundaries that you actually want to have in place yeah and and I think it's it's a really interesting one because often where they've been kind of created just kind of by accident or you know rather than design there are some really simple practical ways to kind of change circumstances. So email, as an example, is one of those things where so many of us spend our lives on online all the time. You see a notification as soon as an email comes through and it feels like, okay, I'll just deal with that. I'll just get that off my plate or it feels like that person is expecting to hear from me. I will respond to it straight away. And one of the simplest boundaries to create, but can be incredibly effective, is to say, I will look at my emails at twice a day or three times a day, and I will schedule some time for half an hour, and I will respond to emails in that time. And I will let people know that that's how... I'm going to operate and if they need me urgently and there's something that really can't wait then they can call mm. and that takes the pressure off because then you know that other people aren't expecting immediate responses and you are not distracted because you can just literally shut you know either you know not look at your phone or um you know turn off outlook or whatever you, your email provider is online 
and until you get to those times and then you're so much more efficient when you do yeah. allocate time because you can just bash through a whole load that's like the time where now you're waiting till five o'clock to get your own stuff done and you get through <laughs> all your emails straight away you know it's it's that element so it doesn't have to be I think boundaries can feel like a huge and wieldy topic but when yeah. you start to break it down into kind of practical steps of things that you can do to create them they can be fairly straightforward. And another, another example is about kind of working times and, and finish times. And we were talking about this as well before we came on of um, there's a guilt, I think, for parents of feeling like I've got to, I've got to go because I've got to pick my kids up. And there's almost that feeling of what are other people thinking of me for the fact that I'm leaving, you know, oh, it feels awkward. Um, and then you kind of feel driven to then, you know, when I've picked them up and, you know, got back home or oh, I better switch my laptop on and do a bit more so that people don't think whatever. Yeah. But equally, I don't have kids. And so I used to be in the opposite camp. And therefore, I felt like, oh, it's not justified for me to have a reason to leave because I don't have a reason that I, I haven't got to be somewhere to pick somebody up. Nobody, you know, the, my child is not going to be stood at the nursery door on their own if I don't leave work on time. So therefore, if I felt pulled into still staying at work and, you know, answering people's questions and getting things done and getting things set up, because I felt like I haven't got enough of a reason to leave on time. And actually, yeah. the the reality is, if you don't, create boundaries and and consistently maintain them then over time what happens is you just feel overwhelmed you feel like burnout is such a huge topic and that's one of the simplest things not easy but simple is having good boundaries is a real sensible way to protect your mental well-being to protect your physical well-being and your health and to enable you to actually operate effectively in the time that you have got, because you're not knackered all the time. Yeah. That's just like, they're just like amazing points because that is the thing, isn't it? Like once you get knackered, you're then heading for burnout and it's so hard to operate, you know, whether you, you know, whether you've got kids, whether you haven't, whether you've got a heavy workload or whether you haven't, it's just become so hard to operate once you start feeling tired. And it's almost like that snowball effect, isn't it? Like, you know, it just gets worse and worse and worse, you know, and when you can kind of take a stand and say, right, okay, this needs to stop because this needs to, you know, work for, for my life as well. You know, you've been paid to do a job, but it's not the be all and end all, is it? Or it shouldn't be. Um, so yeah, so I think that they're really good tips. What would be your top three takeaways, Jackie, for, for creating boundaries? So I think first definitely is about understanding what boundaries you want. Yeah. The second one I would say is understand what the real priorities are, because if you're yeah. going to stick to those boundaries, then you won't necessarily always get everything done. But yeah. if you know what the most important things are and you operate according to importance rather than just random time driven, I think things that are important are often under prioritized yeah. and things that are urgent are often over prioritized simply because they've got a deadline. Yes. So getting really good at understanding priorities, reassessing them and being clear on what they are is the second one. 
And I think the third one is that consistency piece that we've talked about. It's, yeah. you know, you can't expect that setting an, an expectation of somebody once of this is what my boundary is, yeah, that they will respect it. Because if you've been overworking, doing too much for months or years on end, then that's the norm. That's what they expect of you. So yeah. you have to expect that it's going to take time and consistency for those things to change. And you've got to be willing to persist with it rather than just kind of go back to your old habits. And that, you know, you won't be perfect at it. You won't stick to every boundary all the time. But if you're aware of what your boundaries need to be, you're getting better at prioritizing and you're staying as consistent as you can be and getting better at getting consistent, those three things together, I think really combine to help people maintain healthier boundaries. Amazing. So our career clinic section for this week, um, we this section is where we take questions from listeners or from things that have come up with our clients or from things that we have seen online and know our themes for our clients. And then we will give some quick fire advice in terms of what we would say in response. So question today for you, Pam. Um, I had a real wake up call recently. I realized my current career path is not right for me. When I started out on this journey, I wasn't sure what direction to go in. I just thought, get your head down, work hard, you'll figure it out. 10 years later, I've made it to management level, but I feel like I'm in the wrong job, probably the wrong career path too. I'm so demotivated. It's causing me to really doubt myself. There you go. Loads to unpack there. No, there's a lot going on in that. And I think, you know, when you kind of get to this point and so many people that get into this situation where they just feel like they're on the wrong career path. Now I've worked with like hundreds of people now that have felt like they were on the wrong career path and just by starting to explore what is going on in their current position what is making them feel the way that they feel is really the first step in understanding is it the wrong career path or is it the wrong company the wrong industry the wrong team the wrong manager you know there's so many things that impact you in this you know on your career journey as you as you go along so you know what I'd say, first of all, is get yourself a pen and piece of paper and write down, um, you know, all of the things that you love and hate about your current role. Now, this list alone will tell you a lot <laughs> about what's going on. And especially if the list of hate, you know, things that you hate is is huge and bigger <laughs> than the things that you love. Um, and then what I usually say is, right, OK, well, um, you know, at this point in time, you know, if you're questioning, am I on the right career path? Sometimes you might know what career path you'd like to be on and sometimes you'll just know that this one's not right so you just feel really stuck so we'll just look at that one first so what I would say then is after you've got your list of all the things that you love and all the things that you hate what I'd say is what would you like to do on a daily basis what would you like to be doing now what I've found is people will um create like this perfect picture of what another job entails and actually when they um look into that job you know a lot of the stuff that is maybe on the hate list is also included in that job so what once you've got your list of all the things you love, all the things you like to do and all the things that you, you hate doing, you can start researching and the research element of, of, your, of this part of your career journey is really, really important. So if you can um, start thinking about, you know, the type of roles that 
you know, would incorporate the things that you love and the things that you'd like to do. If, you know, if it's not obvious, then, you know, you can do a Google search, you can start asking around. But one of the, the key things that you can do that I encourage my clients to do is, is, is complete an informational interview with somebody who is in a position that you think you would like to do. Now, this isn't just kind of like an informal chat where you say, do you like your job? Do you like working for the company? This is like, you know, can I ask you, you know, you you probably need to build some kind of relationship with them first. Um, you know, you can start leveraging your network on LinkedIn and, you know, seeing who is already in your network, you know, people that you, you could maybe call upon to ask these questions too. But you want to know like what's a day in the life and not just a day on, you know, what does Monday look like, but you know, what does like every day of the week look like? Because sometimes you might think that job is more exciting than it actually is. And once you start doing those informational interviews, what you'll find is you get more information about those particular roles. And then it could actually start to to change your mind. And it could you could then actually come to the conclusion of it's not a career change I need. I just need to get away from this boss because this this boss is driving me insane. This boss is a micromanager or I don't fit in with the team. For whatever reason, I don't fit in with the team. Now, once you kind of, you know, I'm sure that the manager and the team and the things like that will probably come up on the hate list if you're not enjoying them particular aspects. But it's really good to kind of start, um, you know, kind of getting under the skin of what's going on. And this is not something that you can do in like 10 minutes or an hour. This is probably like a few weeks worth of thinking about. So thinking about what you what you love, what you'd like to do, what you hate, start looking at what, you know, researching what jobs would incorporate the stuff that you love to do. And start talking to people to find out you know if I was to make the move into this position would it be right for me and once you start doing that research you know that'll throw up loads of different things for you whether yeah it's the right decision or whether no it's you know it's not it's not the it's not the right decision to make a move so let's look a little bit deeper into what's going on right now and could it be a sideways move into a different kind kind of company or a different industry with a different manager and a different team so it's it's not as easy as like um I think I'm on the wrong career path what shall I do next it's like right okay you've recognized it that's amazing now let's start looking at researching what else could be right for you or what else is out there for you I love that point about informational interviews um that's something that I think for me in my in my business interviews with not you know kind of with potential clients as in people that fit the kind of profile of the people that I work with has just been invaluable because it allows me to really kind of understand what is going on for them so now you know if I'm creating a new program or a new offer I will do that and have those conversations and it would never have occurred to me Mm. in my career to have tried to have set those conversations up um, yeah. I think you, you, I, I know now how incredibly valuable they are. So I know how much of a difference that that could make, but it just literally would never have occurred to me to have done that. So I, I love that point. Um, the, the point I would add, just thinking about the question and about that element of, you know, I've made it to management level and now I'm not kind of really sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think can be a bit of a tendency is to assume that in order to progress, you have to manage and lead others. 
and therefore people often apply for roles that are more senior roles when they don't really kind of particularly have a desire to lead or manage others yeah and leadership and management roles are they're tough anyway but if they're (laughs) not what you you know if you if on your list that you don't like is the stuff around leading and managing others then do you know what that's okay and I think sometimes it's hard to admit that I don't want to lead and manage others I'm really you know good at what I do technically and I want to do stuff that is more technically challenging or have a role that is mostly stuff that is technically challenging and I think I I probably see and recognize that because so much of my work is small and medium companies often the solution there is do you know what if you go to a bigger company then there is there is more scope for more specialist roles where leadership and management is kind of a a smaller part you might still have some line management responsibility of you know overseeing somebody else but you don't necessarily need to lead or manage big teams in order to have quite a senior role when you're in bigger businesses as a principal and I think if you're honest with yourself about you know do you does does it float your boat to kind of understand what what drives people, what motivates people, how to get the best out of them, how to develop them? Because if it doesn't, then if the career paths where you are involve that, then there's always going to be that mismatch. Yeah. And that and that's where you probably need to, and that's getting under the skin a bit a little bit further, isn't it? So it's like, you know, is what I'm doing day to day making me feel happy? <laughs> because if it, you know, as you say, if you get into a leadership position and that's not really where you want to be, but you don't know what else is out there, like, you know, there's always loads of options and different choices, but sometimes it can be real tunnel vision and you you kind of feel like that's the only way to go if I want to get the promotion, the pay rise and all the rest of it. But there are other options. You just need to do the research. Yeah, absolutely. So should we move on to our book review section? Yeah, so today, this is a really exciting book review section because this book, um, Jackie's read it. I've not yet read it, but it sounds amazing. And Jackie's going to share with us The Coaching Habit. I know this is one of Jackie's favourite books and I'm definitely going to get it anyway. (laughs) Maybe I'll tell you it's rubbish. Um, (laughs) No, it's so the, The Coaching Habit is a book that is written for leaders who need to use a coaching approach within the work that they do in order to get the best out of others. And there are hundreds, thousands of books about coaching. Um, There's all kinds of frameworks of how to coach. And what I love the most about this book is that it really simplifies, doesn't ask people to be kind of professional coaches. It really simplifies the process of, and the author is um, a guy called Michael Bungay-Stanya. I love that he's also quite kind of tongue-in-cheek and informal. Um, So it's not a kind of a big theory kind of book that you have to get your head around. And what he does is just really simplifies the process of saying, you know, just start to become more coach-like. So the the kind of subtitle of it um, is Ask Less, Uh, sorry, um, talk less, ask more and change the way you lead forever. And essentially, it's just saying that for most leaders, we're 
you know, when you when the pressure's on and you're working at pace, most of us spend too much of our time giving advice. And actually, more of that time can be asking good questions, listening to others and enabling them to thrive. And that then kind of makes life easier for you in, in the longer run. And he just makes that really accessible. So I would say that's kind of, yeah, essential reading. I, I recommend it all the time to people that, you know, clients that I work with, um, where they're having to kind of lean into their coaching skills or develop them, um, just makes the process so much simpler. Amazing. Well, it's definitely a book I'm going to read. And it sounds like it's definitely a book that any anybody in a leadership or, you know, thinking about getting into a leadership role should read as well. And I mean, I, I can't wait to read it. And I think that understanding how to coach people without needing to be, you know, what you would call a professional coach will make a massive difference to, to your practice as, as a manager, as a, as a leader, you know, once you start incorporating that element of coaching into, into your day-to-day way of, you know, leading and managing your people, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you can probably, um, like provide a bit more info around you know does it does it give you that um you know that understanding the frameworks that you could use and also you know thinking about you know if I am in that leadership position what um you know is it kind of easy to read and digest and start using straight away yeah really easy to read and what what I like about it is that it just looks at the how to change your behavioral habits because giving advice rather than listening asking questions and helping somebody else to find an answer is simply that it's a behavioral habit that most of us kind of pick up along the way when you start out in your career and you gain experience and knowledge it's natural that when people ask you you know for to kind of tap into that it's easy for the ego to feel like my value is in telling other people the stuff that I know and sharing that. Yeah, actually, that doesn't stick as well. And sometimes what's worked for you doesn't work for somebody else because it doesn't suit their style or their approach. And so enabling other people to have light bulb moments is just, you know, really, really valuable to their development. And so what I love is, so he includes a set of really simple questions that are kind of almost like just starters as you know powerful questions that you can use and even if you just pick your two favorite and start to ask those questions more often you will start to see changes in the way that people respond so yeah that's that's the the kind of emphasis of it for me is just on keeping it really simple and yeah and that yeah I'm a massive fan of keeping things simple <laughs> yeah so a definite recommend for anybody in a, in a leadership or management position or somebody thinking of getting into, into one of those positions. Definitely. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I am going to definitely get that book this week. Perfect. So that brings us to the end of this episode. And as ever, we would love it if you would um, subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we would love it even more if you were to give us a review. And if you would like to be the first to know when new episodes are available, then head over to careerandleadershiprealtalk.com and you can sign up and you will receive notification straight into your inbox as soon as new episodes are released. Thanks for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye. Exciting news from us. 
If you're an ambitious leader or manager earning 50k or more and you're ready to take your career to the next level, we have an opportunity for you. Introducing Catalyst Career Club, your secret weapon for unlocking career success. As a member, you'll get access to monthly live training sessions, exclusive job opportunities, and the ability to get personalized advice from us on your toughest career challenges. We've helped thousands of driven leaders like you secure significant pay rises, land dream roles, and thrive in their careers. And now we want to support you in achieving your most ambitious career goals too. Membership is just $6.99 per month with no contract or tie-in. And as a special bonus for being our podcast listeners, you can use the code podcast at checkout to get your first month for just one pound. Head over to PamelaLangan.com forward slash Catalyst Career Club to sign up now and we'll see you inside.